We're Dylan and Mike, a mank and a yank from Cape Rad, and we're here with Gemma and Ian on the Big Scuba Podcast. I'm Mike, he's Dylan. We're Mike and Dylan, and this is our Big Scuba Podcast about Cape Rad. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is the Big Scuba Podcast coming at you. This is episode number 41, Gemma. Yeah, my and my name is Gemma. Uh, so yes, we are back. Um, seems like only five minutes when we was last here, Gemma. Hi, we're getting through them. We certainly are. So I, we are talking remotely uh, by the power of Zoom. I'm in the the uh, the wilds of Bungie, and you are on the beach in Takefield. Literally on the beach. Almost. <laughs> I can't hear the, the, the sea from where you are. It's a calm day today. Okay. Well, that wasn't. That was oh, it was wild and windy. Yeah. It has been wild and windy. And uh, I'm not talking about the curry from last time. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Yes. Anyway, let's move on swiftly. So, uh, episode 41. Before we start, I always like to hit you with a couple of interesting facts, Jen. Now, what have you got? Okay, uh, so do you know that in 1954, Sir Roger Bannister had the number 41 on his shirt when he broke the four-minute mile for the mm -hmm. first time ever? How about that? So it was quite a famous number. And also, uh, I can't get this right, the 41st Sympathy... Sympathy Symphony, no. Symphony. Number 41 by uh, Mozart, Amadeus Wolfgang Mozart. <laughs> was the longest and the last one. So there you go. Yeah. That's 41 of them. So uh, there we go. Well, you pick the hard ones to tell me about, don't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There weren't a, there's not a huge amount to tell you about with 41. There's some, there's some quite nerdy facts. I thought Roger Bannister and a little bit of Amadeus Mozart. Rock me Amadeus, yep. Yeah, he did. There was a song, weren't there, as well, weren't there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't remember that before my time. Anyway. We digress, as always. So, uh, on this episode, we have all the way from South Africa, haven't we? Mm. A, in their words, a mank and a yank. <laughs> yep so they're based in cape town in false bay yeah yeah we're not being uh politically incorrect they are we, we you know that's what they referred to themselves so yeah, uh, yeah they uh, warmly call themselves which is always good yeah and, uh, what is cape rad cape rad kind of sort of a, a dive center research center yeah, kind of a platform for yeah field research in that marine area if you're in the neck of the woods in south africa and you haven't been there, go give them a look and uh, see what they're up to. Uh, they've got a website and we'll get to all that uh, in due course. Also, uh, on YouTube, we need to just mention a few things, don't we? Mm -hmm. And uh, we just brought a vid latest video out on YouTube, haven't we? And latest audio book. So just this week, we had a video out with a little kayaking trip that we made um, just up the road from Bungie. Yep, uh, it was last weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was really good uh, when the weather was nice. So look out for that. That's on YouTube. And also uh, audio book with the second part of Mike Valentine. Now, uh, uh, do listen to that. There's some really good snippets on there of uh, Mike talking about. But one thing we did, we are aware of, there's no visuals to that, is there? no. Mike is very visual, and we want to do, get the audio side of things out first, so you get to hear Mike talking, and then what we're going to do is put a video together um, from the Zoom of some of the things that Mike talked about, and uh, he's very animated, let's say that, very animated, and uses props. He does, he had quite a few props, didn't he? He did, didn't we? We, weren't, we didn't know he was going to be using props, did we? No, no, no. He's, yeah, very entertaining. So we've, we'll get that out on YouTube um, to make you smile. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, do have a look there uh, when it comes out. We'll try and get that out in the next week or so. Yeah. yeah, and I think, yeah, we're just going to get a bit more of our 
Zoom meetings and chats and conversations, yeah, out on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah. all. Um, also, you know, we are linking up and collaborating with a few companies as well. And um, we've got a few more uh, coming out in the coming weeks uh, once we get bits and pieces agreed. So, but right now, Gem, you, if you are looking for a Paralens camera, they're yeah. brilliant. We're using them all the time. Uh, really great, really well made. They're sturdy, they're reliable. Blimey, we've even used one up a tree, you know, <laughs> when we some tree work to see how they work. And somebody said to us that just last week, you can't use them under, you cannot, can't use them above the water. Yes, you can. Yeah, you can. So, yeah. yeah, they're and very adaptable. They are, yeah, 4K. Um, so, yeah, you can use them under the water and you can use them above the water as well. So, yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. take a look at the link in the show notes and that will take you to the Paralens website. It certainly will. So, use that and uh, that will be there. If you are looking for a drone, mm-hmm. you know, we are. Uh, we have teamed up with DJI. They make some absolutely brilliant drones. You can use those links to go to the DJI site. Um, at the moment, we've got two on there at the moment. Um, so go on there, which is, I think, the, the popular makes the uh, Mavic. Yeah. yeah. And there's another one. So, uh, But go on there, have a look. Perfect timing for Christmas as well. So you can get a little bit of a discount. It is, yeah. So... Uh, might as well. Also, uh, Stream to See, let's give them a little shout out. We um, are wave makers. Yep, we certainly are. So we've got another link in the show notes. Again, go to their website, use our code, and you can get 10% off their products. 10% as much as that. Yeah, yeah. and they'll be shipped from the USA. They certainly will. So, um, but they're all scientifically proven not to have any damaging effects on the water or marine life. <laughs> Shiny, glossy <laughs> hair, and look after the environment as well. How yeah. good is that? Yeah. So, and yeah, that's one of the only companies that have been through all this rigorous testing to prove that it is totally sea and stream friendly. Yeah. So, don't take just our word for it. Use our links. Go to the website. Mm-hmm. See, get all the information that you need, and then make that order. Yeah. Um, also, just before we go, just a little bit of a heads up. So we've just done a collaboration with an exciting company called Barefoot and Green. Mm-hmm. And um, we are going to be selling bikes as well. Some electrical bikes. Which they're not just any bike, they're eco-friendly bikes. Yeah, They are friendly bikes. And uh, I look forward to that. Yeah. Be really good. Get them out. Uh, so... Thanks to Barefoot and Green. Thank you very much for helping us put that together. We'll put the links up. Yeah, we will. We'll put the links up and there's more details on that to come. But we just want to give you a little heads up um, if you are thinking about something like that for Christmas. Yeah, perfect. And we'll be doing a little video out of us on the bike. <laughs> do, they, do stabilizers? Do, do you need that? <laughs> No, but I'm sure we might be able to rig something up for you if you're not that, you haven't got your wheels yet. <laughs> right, I've got my wheels. Right, okay, so that's kind of, that's kind of that. So uh, just before we get into our, our guests, a really interesting news item, I don't know if you saw it, Gemma, it was, the, it was reported this week about these orcas out in the Atlantic who are, uh, apparently been attacking boats um yeah that's quite an interesting read and uh, it's, i know it's on the bbc website and i think it's probably been on on a couple of others um so if anyone's been who are listening if you haven't seen this uh, look out for it in fact we put a link to this actually in the show notes yeah it was an it was an english um guy on his 45 foot yacht and for two hours there were six or seven orcas or killer whales and they were ramming the underside of his yacht while he was sailing off the coast of Portugal. So yeah, must be very uh, terrifying, I'd say. Yeah, it's not something that you hear happening. Um, but yeah, he, he had to, I think he put a call into the Coast Guard just in case, you know, something went wrong because they could have obviously damaged the prop or, you know, even worse. Yeah, there was, um, I don't know if that was the same guy, but... 
one of the uh, reports I was reading, they were hammering into the like the rudder mm. uh, steering mechanism, and yeah. uh, you know you don't know whether they're just playing and being boisterous, yeah. but orcas are uh, really intelligent. Yeah. So they're like, oh, let's just see what happens if we keep nudging this boat. It's not the first time. It's um, it's one of a number of attacks in the recent months. Um, there have been over 40 incidents along the Atlantic coast of Spain and Portugal since July. Yeah. It's pretty, yeah. So whether they're the same kind of batch, yeah. So in it's been happening a while, but because now the word of it's starting to reach yeah. the field, and people go, oh, well, that actually happened to me. You mm. know? Yeah, whether they're, I mean, they're very intelligent, whether it's a revenge attack, but who knows? So, yeah, be a bit wary if you're sailing a yacht along the Portuguese and Spanish coast. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit chippy, uh, choppy out there as well tonight. It'd be choppy, yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, coming up, Mike and Dylan from Cape Rapid. Sit back and enjoy and uh, listen up. Here we go. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm Mike Barron. I'm co-founder of uh, Cape Rad, Cape Research and Dive Development. And uh, I've been scuba diving for the um, best part of 15 years. And... Um, yeah, I'm a master scuba diver instructor and I um, facilitate a lot of the logistical diving side and the um, scientific diving and field work for Cape Rad. Um, and my background is um, white shark behavior. Previously, that's what I did my postgraduate in. And then we've kind of moved into a more ecological sort of holistic um, domain where we're focusing on the kelp forests of the Cape Peninsula here in South Africa. Wow, that sounds interesting. Yeah. So um, you had a quite ex- good experience there then from um, instructing and getting involved in the white sharks. Yeah, so um, I did my instructors in Mozambique um, while I was working out in Mossel Bay doing some um, field work over there. And um, I never really kind of combined the two skills really, marine biology and, and scuba diving until um, recently when we've started to really focusing on scientific diving and sort of field work focused skills. Yeah. And where do you originate from? I'm originally from uh, UK, Manchester, <laughs> as you can hear my accent. <laughs> Can't hide that. Yeah. Yeah. So how long have you been in South Africa for or out of uh, the UK? Um, I've been in South Africa for about 10 years, just, just about. Yeah. And I was in Australia for a couple of years before that um, or in between that. Yeah. So I've not been actually in the UK full time really for a long time since mm. since I was about twenty. Yeah. 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 Do you still go back? Do come back? Yeah, I try to. Obviously, at the minute, not so much. Uh, but we try and get back at least once or twice a year. Um, actually, went back last year in November. Got married. Oh, right. So, nice. uh, we got married back in back in the UK. But uh, yeah, I actually I've never actually dived in the UK. How bad's that? <laughs> You're not alone. <laughs> We've got no choice now. <laughs> oh, no. I believe it's very good though in certain areas. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, yeah, there's an awful lot of um, yeah advocates for UK diving, and it's obviously going to do it a lot of favours, I think, because we are not able to escape the UK at the moment. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah oh, we've been forced into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dry suit. That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So how about you, Dylan? What part do you play? Yeah, so I'm, I'm the other co-founder of Cape Red, and uh, Mike and I met in Mossel Bay about 10 years ago, which is another town here in South Africa. I'm from the States, so we always like to describe ourselves as a mank and a yank. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's about where my, my diving career started in Mossel Bay. So I did the open water, but I've got to confess, I'm a bit more of a free diver. I don't know if that's a taboo word around here. No, not at all. Ooh. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, I don't think so. I, I think they're they're both from a mutual love of the oceans, right? Yeah. 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 Our last episode we released at the weekend was about a free diver. Okay, good. Yeah. So getting some 
recognition. But yeah, I'm, um, I'm doing a PhD here in Southern Africa, trying to improve our ability to estimate populations for what specifically for the white shark. Um, and so the element that I bring to Cape Red as a field course is some of the academic instruction and taking the, the data that we collect and teaching students how to analyze what we've got and also analyzing it ourselves and trying to come up with um, interesting projects that we can do here on our doorstep. Um, and then, yeah, I do a little bit of volunteering at Sea Rescue, which is an organization kind of like your RNLI. And so we, we've got a lot of stuff, most of, uh, a lot of things to do with the ocean in Cape Red. Yeah. yeah. So have you, is it like a membership of the um, Cape Rad? Have you got kind of a group of followers? Do you have subscriptions? Uh, no, it's several things. Um, so primarily we are a research station and we do research and then we also use that as an opportunity to teach. And so students will join a course for a month and it's kind of like a tuition. And so they'll spend two weeks, four weeks with us. And it's a very intensive hands-on in the water, in the classroom. They are learning how science happens in the water. Yeah. And um, that's, that's kind of the main focus. Give us an example. How do you mean when you say that's, you know, you teach them how science happens. What, what do you mm -hmm. actually mean? What, what would be an example? Um, well, it's the techniques that we use to collect data. So they're, they're often very standardized procedures that we have to use so that when we are trying to make comparisons, we've got kind of the same types of information. So we would lay out a transect line underwater, um, which is it's basically just a measuring tape. And it gives us a guide to kind of follow in a straight line. And then along that line, we would maybe count only within a certain width of the line or something and count all of the types of starfish that we see or the types of fish that we see mm -hmm. and doing those types of things that you know they don't come naturally and so they need a bit of practice and instruction and buoyancy. Yeah so are all these the students are they already qualified marine biologists? A lot of or them part of a lot of them are kind of, of yeah they're usually on their way studying to be uh, yeah. but another, another component of what we do with Cape Rad is is trying to open that up to everybody and so we like to run kind of just single day diving events where we we take on people regular people as citizen scientists and that's a good idea yeah get them engaged with the ocean and in, in a way where they are do you, you take know, kids as well for themselves. that oh yeah absolutely it, it tends to be something that is very popular amongst kids because it's it's new to them and it kind of ties in with what they're learning in school yeah some of their biology, biology subjects and it's fun you know they're it's almost like a treasure hunt we go out and we try to take as many pictures of as many different sharks as we can and try to identify the individuals and see if we recognize them from previous dives yeah and also count, count what we're seeing and are you seeing that so you'll see um a certain individual shark uh populating a, a certain area around a rock or something like that so so this like, that it's, quite a it's a it's a good question because this is exactly what my PhD is based on, coming up with ways or using ways of kind of estimating how many there are based on identifying individuals and then maybe how often you recite them. And we recently launched a very similar project on some of the smaller sharks that we get here. And they're only found in Southern Africa. We call them um, cat sharks, benthic sharks. There's other species around the world, but there's four that only exist in Southern Africa. And we started this project to take pictures of them and get kind of shots of their patterns that we can use as fingerprints to ID them. And we've been doing it now for, uh, I would say a couple months maybe. Mm -hmm. And pictures are people's older pictures that they've collected and contributed. But we just had our first reciting um, earlier this week of a shark that we saw. Which we're very excited about. Yeah. <laughs> We saw it, we basically went and looked for it every day, three days in a row, and we found it. But it was the first one of, of like 100 that we had identified and recognized. Would there be any way you could put some kind of tracker? You know, like uh, the Galapagos guys, what they put, you know, they'll swim up and put a, a tracking mm -hmm. system beacon on, on the bow. I know you're talking a huge shark, aren't you? But 
is there anything you could do like that and you could see where it, where it goes and its behaviors? There are some tags out there. There's a few other researchers that are doing that. They'll use acoustic tags. So these are, they make an, an ultrasonic pulse and they can be detected by receivers. So you need special equipment to be able to follow them or, or listen for them, um, but they do exist. And then there's also kind of more basic tags that are just, you know, have a, a coded number on them. So when fishermen catch them or if divers see it and get close enough for a photo, you can just read the number and that will identify it and reflect. Are these protected? Are they all protected? Um, not officially. You can catch them. Um, there are areas that are protected where fishing might be restricted um, and they're found in, in some... So areas. if a fisherman caught one and that's been tagged, is he, you know, to, is he meant to be ha- putting that back in because it's got a tag? Yeah. They yeah are. And really, it's kind of a catch and release type thing. Mm. Mm. Hey, Rad, how, what sort of area do you cover? Is it very specific, like a few kilometres, or do you go quite a way out into the ocean? Um, so we're, we're focused, we're headquarters in Simonstown. So um, we, most of our focus is on the False Bay area. So I don't know if you're familiar with the geology, ge- geography of Cape Town, but if you look at it on the map, you'll see like the peninsula. And on the right, on the side, there's a, a nice big sort of semicircular bay, and that's yeah. False Bay. That's the that's the bay which has the Seal Island in it, and it's famous for its white shark population, mm-hmm. um, or, or at least it was. Um, and so, what we're looking at is around that peninsula specifically. There are marine protected areas, marine protected MPAs, and there's heavily fished zones. Um, and a lot of our work looking at the biodiversity and the ecology is looking at the comparisons inside and outside of those marine protected areas um, seeing how effective they are being um, in terms of replenishing the surrounding regions um, and so most of our work is based around the false bay side and we do a bit on the atlantic side as well the other side of the peninsula so it's quite localized um, in end of last year actually we i don't know if you've heard of mission blue yes yeah still get ill uh, well, Cape Rad became the, the Mission Blue Hope Spot champions for False Bay region. Oh, right, nice. um, and so a lot of the, our work with our research and our awareness, we're trying to pump out there and, and sort of create a bit more awareness, not only for ecotourism and tourists and, and divers, but for the local community around the whole of the bay as well um, to empower sort of the communities as, as well. That's the kind of idea of it. So um, in terms of, yeah, it's quite localised, but it's mm. a reasonably large area. Yeah, and how long have you been operating for? Is it- uh, we actually had our third birthday this week, or <laughs> at the weekend, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really nice. so, yeah. We haven't had a cake though yet. Still waiting no, for a cake. No, we don't have a cake. I know. <laughs> birthday cake, any excuse. Responsibilities cake. <laughs> Dylan, you're cake man. Come on, get <laughs> when, on did, when did I become in charge of the cake? That's <laughs> most just, important. Exactly. <laughs> Where do your um, people doing the courses come from? Are they pretty sort of local to Cape Town, or do you get people from further afield? From well, now at the minute, obviously, we are really sort of um, open. Well, we've always been open to everyone and anyone who wants to join us. Um, we're running a course currently with South African local, um, and we've had quite a bit of local interest. Um, but the majority of our students are from the USA, uh, Europe, uh, UK mostly, um, and we've had a few Australians. That's our sort of bulk of our our students, and they kind of come over here for that set period of time, usually four weeks, yeah. and they get that nice tuition, um, marine science tuition. And then they go back to their universities or wherever they come from and go into further study or apply for um, relevant jobs using um, this training on their CV. So we haven't got to the end of our chat with Mike and Dylan at Cape Rad, but we just wanted to mention about another way you can support the Big Scuba podcast. Ian and I both enjoy adventures under and on the water, and some of which you can view on our YouTube channel called The Big Scuba. The links are in the podcast show notes. Have a look and a view of the videos. You will start to see highlights of our podcast interviews with our guests too. Please do click on the subscribe button and the bell button, and you'll then get notifications when our new videos are out. Ian and I both really appreciate your support and welcome new subscribers. 
Right, back to the boys at Cape Rad. So has obviously COVID has affected you quite badly then if people can't travel from yeah, US and UK. Are you trying to widen your reach where people can actively travel easily to you? Um, we not so much in in kind of expanding and, and becoming more accessible, but we have tried to become a little more creative with um, how we spread our message and, and how we share our ocean with people. Um, we, we did a lot of kind of transferring our course material onto video and making those available for people and giving them an opportunity to see exactly what it is that we're teaching and what we're offering. And uh, more recently, we've been tinkering around with maybe doing some of the citizen science type stuff that we do, but virtually or uh, with videos and, and maybe opening that up to people to participate online and have some immersive video or some 360 video and have people watch that and help us count the fish that they see and, and, and then teach them a little bit about the biology and the ecology that, that makes this area so unique along the way. Um, we haven't finished rolling that out yet, but it is something we're, we're working on. Mm. Yeah. So in the three years you've been operating, have you noticed a big difference in the marine life that you've got on your doorstep? I, I don't know if it's just because we've been sort of out of the water for, for a little bit of time with, with COVID, but at least in the last couple of dives that we've done, I certainly think that some of the kelp looks a lot more lush than I, I remember as thicker and fuller. And I don't know if that's a consequence of any of this or if it's a natural thing. Or why, would it, why do you think that'd be a consequence? As well? um, I, I was struggling to think on the, this, this afternoon when we got out of the water, if it's because there's less boat traffic or less people in the water, or if it's something to do with that. Um, there are some areas where the local community have complained that people are cutting away kelp so that they have easier access for their boats. Um, but I don't think that has a huge impact. Um, but maybe it, it could be the, the reduction in people in the water and the, the I, I don't really know. <laughs> I suppose if people are not using the water so much, chances mm -hmm. are there's going to be less pollution, which is going to affect the kelp, I suppose. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if we have the same issue like with the coral reef where the sun creams and those kinds of things mm. are dam um, damaging the life there, but there's got to be some kind of a, a reason for it that's, that's to do with people being in the water. Because I was looking at that, about the, some of these sun uh, creams that are used, and you only need a tiny, tiny little amount uh, to get into the water for that to affect coral. Mm. It's unbelievable. You're a tiny... Uh, you know, mm. seeing how big the sea is, you don't need mm. much for it to start affecting the coral. And you think about all the hundreds of thousands of people who are jumping in every day. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. We're, we're doing a, another study here. It's a Cape Town is a coastal community and there's not a lot of spare room within the city. And so the wastewater, the sewage water, in several places, it's just pumped offshore. I mean, it's treated and, and macerated and broken down, but it's just pumped into the ocean. And there have been a lot of recent studies from a uh, chemical perspective, looking at what impact that has on, you know, whether there's E. coli washing ashore and endangering beachgoers and that kind of thing. But there hasn't really been an impact on what that does to the fish life and some of the, the biodiversity in the region. So we're doing some studies or helping with a study where trying to get some get an idea of whether maybe that's drawing in fish from further afield or whether it's changing the composition of fish that we would naturally see uh, but that also has pharmaceutical implications for all the stuff that we flush into the ocean and, and whether that's impacting um, you know maybe there are more female fish now or maybe the fish that would normally change from male to female yeah, well, process and pH and all all those different water chemistries. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's such a lot to do. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you get uh, your always, uh, yeah. So most of of the field course is it's kind of designed to fund the research and and kind right. of create that self sufficient um, strategy where we don't need to rely on grant money and and research funding. 
Um, but for projects like this, this one with uh, the wastewater treatment that's coming in from a little budget the city of Cape Town has allocated to doing a pilot study here. Right, because it must be good for, um, you know, in normal times, tourism. Um, you obviously want the wildlife, which, you know, clean beaches. So it's, it's in uh, your nation's interest to keep mm -hmm. those areas clean and keep the, you know, tourists coming back to look, you know, enjoy the wildlife and everything else. So it's in there, in the government's interest. Yeah, absolutely. And, the, and the, the way that it's set up is that the city applies for a permit to be able to do this. And so if they can't show that, that they are efficiently treating the water and, and taking care of what they're doing, they're not going to have the permit to be able to do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good. There's, you know, there are these grants available <laughs> and there's a lot of people now. Yeah. So much more interested in the conservation of the ocean as well. So yeah, and that's a big part of what our citizen science thing is as well. So obviously we're marine scientists and we, we do research projects, which are like proper research projects. Um, and then we do the training side, but also the citizen science side is to open that up, like Dylan said, to the public and get them engaged and get them involved and get them being able to contribute back and give back to something which um, sometimes people can feel a little bit excluded from because of these, you know, sciences and everything. people can be quite intimidated by it. So the idea is to blur the edges between recreational snorkeling and diving and, and real citizen science projects, which collect lots of data and they run sort of long-term monitoring programs like looking at fish distributions and densities over a long period of time. Uh, and all these um, observations that our snorkelers and our divers are, are contributing to the database is helping build up a nice big baseline um, for that kind of data as well. Mm. That's quite good because um, this is not the first time today we've heard the phrase citizen science, haven't we, Gemma? No, no. Project Aware earlier today and um and that's really interesting and it's and the conversation that we had with them is very similar to what we're having with you and it's all about you know the citizen science how the average diver can now take part in research and you know play their part you yeah. know in helping you guys find you know when you see a certain uh ray you can identify it and there's systems out there that you can log it so are you using it so when you say there's a database, where do people go to find this database? And, you know, are you using an app or anything like that? Because some of these organizations have now got their own apps, haven't they? Yeah, we, um, we've been collecting citizen science data for pretty much as long as we've been around now. And uh, we also use some of the apps that, that already exist, but we also maintain our own, our own database, which it's not kind of forward-facing freely available, but it does exist and it is something that if uh, like a university wanted to have access to, they send us an email and we send it off to them. Um, but we use the apps like iNaturalist and those for recording observations. And then this new um, FinSpotter program that I mentioned earlier that we have a website that has all of the individuals that have been photographed and tells you where they were seen and when they were seen, and that's all freely available online. That one's at fin.caperad.com. I'm calling it FinSpotter. Uh, and that works with a software called Wildbook, which is something that's used for a lot of different species for identifying individuals. They use it for whale sharks and manta rays and giraffe, yeah. zebra, and all kinds of, of animals. So there's quite a bit, really, when you look around and you think about what they'll you and the other organizations are all doing you're all holding quite a bit of data on these different animals so do you ever like network and you know compare stats and help <laughs> each other you know how does that work uh, not so much but there is a global biodiversity information foundation i can't remember what the f stands for now but gbif gbif and they are an organization Fish. that Maybe it's fish. It could be. It's biodiversity, though. It's any kind of life, so not necessarily just fish. Okay. But we could say fish for, for the conversation. And they, um, they collate all of these different databases, all the citizen science ones like iNaturalist. Um, they also are involved with a lot of institutions and universities, and they will collect their data that is of a specific 
kind of biodiversity type data and keep it in this central repository and anybody can access it. And it, it gets used in hundreds of papers and reports every year. Um, so that we, we are contribute, contributing to. Um, but yeah, we, we've tried to reach out to some of the organizations like Reef, who also do a similar fish monitoring program. Um, they are more of a tropical focus though. So they weren't, I mean, we, we had talked to them for a little bit and then that kind of fizzled out. Um, but for the most part, yeah, we're kind of on our own lonesome selves down in the southern tip of the continent. So are you, I'm trying to think, you know, because I, uh, I thought you was get, we were, this conversation was going to be doing more about the teaching side of things, but <laughs> more about conservation and that, and that's great. So are you looking for, I suppose, more publicity, you know, because like we hadn't heard of you. So, you know, is it we're trying you want us to try and help spread the word? You know, what, what are you looking for? What's going to be good? Um, well, I mean, yeah, we're quite new. So we only came around to end of 2017 and we're sort of building up and we pretty much do it with our, with the two of us, um, small team. Um, and yeah, I think what we're looking for is just to let people know like the exciting work that we're doing and lots of other people are doing as well. There's a lot yeah. of good organizations out there doing great work and i think now more than ever we have to spread that positivity that there is good things going on there is yeah. research happening and conservation management in place for a lot of great species and a lot of great ecosystems um, but there's always more we can do and there's always more that anyone everyone can do whether you're training to be a marine scientist or in a scuba dive or a professional dive and you want to take that a little bit further and have um you know specific module-based training course where you go through from everywhere from the basics of citizen science through the sort of um, development of more scientific um, sampling techniques mm -hmm. or if you're just um, a snorkeler or a scuba diver um, you're not particularly you're not sort of a, a scientist or going into that area but you're interested in conservation marine conservation you want to give back you want to contribute um, come and join us. We we want to get people to sort of excited again about the diving in the snow and give them new objectives in the water, give them a new focus and teach them something about the ocean instead of just giving them a, a snorkel in a tank and throwing them in. Um, we want to take them with us and, and teach them about the relationships going on in the kelp forests between these two species of kelp or between the urchins and the, the rock lobsters and explain the relationships and give people that interest and passion and and hopefully give them a bit more um reason to want to conserve these things yeah and, and a great way of, yeah exactly and a lot of people get in the water and we we take them out and it's maybe 20 50 meters off the beach and it's just incredible biodiversity and people are like oh my gosh i didn't even know this was here and uh, it's taken a man and a yank to get them out there in the water <laughs> in south africa and and, a, and the, one of the biggest things you can do is f by joining people like Kate Rad for snorkels and dives, that, that sort of ecotourism side of our business funds other elements of our research as well. Yeah, so it has a you know, benefit, isn't it, all um, hand in hand. So what, what does your typical day uh, sort of look like? You said you've been diving today. So do you get in the water every day? Uh, when we're running a field course, it's quite full on. So. Yeah. Like, we always get asked that question. It's always like, oh, well, there's no typical day for us because, <laughs> you know, it's all over the place. But, for example, so, yeah, today we're on our day six of our field course. So, it's just our second week. So, um, we had a, a measuring biodiversity workshop this morning. So, that was teaching students um, methods and sort of uh, the, the theories and hypothesis behind uh, measuring biodiversity and the different ways and techniques of, of doing that. And then this afternoon, we jumped in for a belt transect um, and uh, we ran through the kelp forest and did a macroinvertebrate transect. So we were looking for um, different starfish species, urchins, um, sea cucumbers, da data collection on that. Hey, sea uh, cucumbers, then, we talked about them today. They're really important, yeah. aren't they? They poo sea sand, apparently. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're fantastic things. Yeah. Bit yeah. weird looking. They're, <laughs> and they fight uh, climate change as well apparently not the most charismatic of species i must say <laughs> no. No, I bet. No. Um, 
So, so what, what sort of conditions are you diving in at the moment? What's the temperature? And So this is a really interesting thing about this area, Cape Town. It's one of the very few cities in the world which is sort of built in the sort of what we call eco-region of a, a warmer temperate water compared to uh, the Atlantic water. So False Bay essentially acts almost as environmentally as the Indian Ocean. Whereas the other side, we've got the Atlantic, it's still classed as the Atlantic Ocean, but it gets the environmental elements of the Indian Ocean compared to the other side of the peninsula, which um, is the Western Cape of the, and the Atlantic. Um, so on our side today, we had 15, um, 15 degrees Celsius temperature, um, and it was very nice and calm today. We had about six or seven meters viz, which is pretty much um, average low average to in Cape Town um, for this side and this time of year. Um, and then on the other side, by contrast, if you look at what the guys in Cape Town was doing today, uh, they were diving in seven degrees water, seven, eight degrees water Celsius um, with 15, 20 metres visibility. And what's the kind of difference in distance between those two points? As the crow flies across from one side to the other, it can't be more than seven or eight kilometres. Really? Big difference. <laughs> yeah. So this is, it's all due to do with the, the, the currents and the climate here yeah. in the, in the, on the point. So we've got the warm uh, current, Mozambique current, pushing down the east coast, and that's bringing in that milder, warmer, water warmer, which pushes into the bay here at this time of year with those southeast winds, or trade winds of those southeasters. And then this time of year, they start pumping. We get 20 to 30 knots on a regular occasion, two or three days of the week or more. And we had a big pump on Friday, Saturday yeah. and Sunday. And basically what that does is it pushes a lot of dirty water often into the False Bay area um, at this for this short periods. And then on the other side, it pushes a lot of the surface water up the coastline. And that then can't be replenished from the, the east because there's land mass in the way. So what we find is these upwellings. I'm sure everyone knows what an upwelling is. Basically, this very rich nutrient, but... Um, microscopic uh, nutrients in the water rises to the surface freezing cold like we say seven eight degrees because it's been sat so deep in the Atlantic for so long and in a lot of places California Australia Japan these places they all get these similar uh, oceanic events but they're kind of talking in the sort of 5 10 15 meters in a 24-hour period of uplift mm. whereas here with the wind which is so strong we can have over 30 meters of upwelling in a 24-hour period so it creates these incredible conditions where you can have, like they were saying, 25 metres today. I don't believe anyone who says 25 metres. I don't know. If you... That's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, sound, mm. that sounds a bit exact. You must all like whales and, what, uh, and the other animals all come up from the depths as well to follow them, do they? Exactly. So that creates this biodiversity hotspot which we're in. So the microscopic algae come up and the zooplankton and then the predatory zooplankton follows those guys up the water column to feed on them. And then the fish cruise up and the smaller fish and then the larger fish eat the small fish and then your predatory yeah. fish. And then that creates our marine megafauna or marine big five, what we talk about, our whales, dolphins, seals, penguins, sharks. Absolutely and awesome that creates this huge amount of nutrient cycles, these yeah, amazing animals coming in to cruise on them. Yeah, God, it must be well, amazing. You, uh, you asked earlier what sort of what can you guys do to help? And I think one thing is, is definitely help kind of publicize the brand of, of the great African sea forest. And that's really what, what we've got here. A lot, you know, yeah. is a destination for safari and lots of terrestrial animals and elephants and lions and that kind of thing. But in the ocean too, we've got these incredible ecosystems and there've been a lot of, there's been a lot of work to, uh, to kind of create a brand around that and to make Cape Town, make False Bay a diving destination. I'm sure you guys have seen the the Netflix, My Octopus Teacher, and mm. all of that kind of to to spread, to share and spread the beauty on the coastline here and, and bring people to come and appreciate it and, and yeah. learn. Yeah, yeah. And again, it, you know, will then make more people interested in the conservation side of things. Mm. Yeah, I worked, I was really lucky. I, when I lived in Australia, I worked on the Great Barrier Reef for a year. And I also worked on the Ningaloo Reef for a year. And those both 
things you've those, both, both those barrier reefs are incredible. Um, but I think I prefer diving on, in the kelp forests because you know it's a three-dimensional ecosystem. It's just yeah. so unique. It's so different to anything else that you would usually dive in. Yeah. So I think it's, if you've not dived in kelp forests before, you can do it in the UK. There's some beautiful kelp forests in the UK. Um, but South Africa also has this incredible ecosystem and marine megafauna as well. Yeah. So the depths, do you do your research at? Most of our diving, because we're working in fringe kelp, um, most of our diving is shallower than 10, 15 meters. Okay. So um, it's pretty, pretty shallow dives. Uh, we do have some deeper dives where we might go to maybe 20, 25 meters, for example, when we're running these samples for the outfalls in Cape Town and things like that. But uh, yeah, a lot of shallow work, um, which is quite challenging here because we, we, we aren't barrier reef, we aren't crystal clear waters, calm, cruisy days. Uh, we like to put our students and our divers into a bit of a challenge and we do get surge, we get swell, we get low visibility and it's all part of the excitement and the challenge of, of diving in. If, yeah. Everyone always says, if you can dive in Cape Town, you can dive anywhere. Yeah. That's what they say about the UK. Of <laughs> course, <laughs> oh, it's very similar conditions. It is, yeah. We had some friends go out there um, a couple of years ago and they would go, went out there expecting it to be really warm and, you know, and they had, they had a bit of a shock. They, they didn't realise that the climate was so like ours. And, um, yeah, very... in Cape Town. But if yeah. you travel, um, you know, 15 hours or, well, drive 15 hours, if you flew a couple of hours up to Durban or um Sodwana area then the water is like subtropical temperatures you're in your 20 plus degrees and it's subtropical coral reefs coral reefs and, and it's a completely different environment again so you know South Africa is one of these unique places where you can dive in kelp forests one day uh, and then you can go and dive in tropical reefs another day um, we had a listener um, actually contact us um, name is Hannah uh, Hannah Thamey, I hope I've got that pronunciation right, lives in Mazaru in Lesotho. Lesotho. Uh, yeah, I'm sure I've probably got all that pronunciation totally wrong. Uh, near Harrismith. Don't know Lesotho, it's, it's um, miles away from us, mate. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah. literally in the middle of like, so South Africa and Lesotho is its own little. I know, is you look country? on the map and you think, well, that don't look too far, but I, I, you measure it's probably absolutely <laughs> miles away. And yeah. uh, she just contacted us, uh, one about the podcast, but also saying about diving. Um, she'd done, tried diving in Durban, but um, because of where she lived, she's actually miles from the sea, and she was yeah. hoping to go to South Africa to pick up some di learn diving, which would be really good. So... Uh, be nice. We'll give her your uh, details on that. Yeah, if she wants to do some kelp forest stuff, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So Lesotho is literally like a landlocked little thing in the middle of South Africa. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. No sea there. <laughs> no. No, no. no. Have you got travel restrictions for you in South Africa at the moment? Is that? Uh, we've had, they've just opened up travel internationally the beginning of October, but there are restrictions on what countries people can travel from. Mm -hmm. I think at the moment the US and the UK are, are not on the allowed list. And um, the rest of Africa is this, so can travel in Lesotho to, to South Africa. Uh, but hopefully that's gonna change soon. I don't know how often they plan to update that list, but at yeah. least, I mean, it's progress. We were, we probably had one of the longest border closings of, of the most of the world i think uh boris is going to uh, make a speech today so um, find out what's happening are you guys yeah. expecting more restrictions yeah unfortunately so, so it seems go, and get, like, go and get a dive in today yes <laughs> <laughs> hopefully where are you guys calling us from we're based, I'm actually on the coast, in near Lowestoft, in a village called Pakefield, so literally on the Suffolk coast, and Ian's a bit further inland in Suffolk. In Bungie. Bungie. He's on a river, and I'm on the coast. <laughs> so, you can yeah. Suffolk. Yeah, so we have got, um, obviously, inland dive sites that we can use through the winter and rivers, uh, once they clear up a bit. We've had a lot of rain, so they're pretty, not great. Uh, we the old classic quarry dive. 
yeah. Well, Gemma, did your, you did your open water, didn't you, at a place called Gildy, and literally hand in front of your, ma- your mask, you could hardly see. She was next to me at one stage, you couldn't even see her. Uh, see, that's a good thing, though. You can't see all the dead bodies down there, then. So it was not good. But then a few days later, we did a shore dive in Norfolk, just off the North Norfolk coast on a wreck. And it was just amazing. So I went from that to a couple of metres, which was, yeah. So, but yeah, it's the joys of uh, UK diving. So I'm sure. It keeps it entertaining, doesn't it? If you knew you were going to get 20 metres of visit every day, it'd be boring. Oh, yeah. And if the water was going to be warm. (laughs) Too pleasant. It'd be be warm water. Hey, it'd be terrible. Yeah. We don't do this for fun. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i qualified in july and obviously i've been in a dry suit so i don't know what diving in a wetsuit is so. <laughs> oh yeah. wetsuit diving luxury if people who um you know who are new to you you know and they're now listening to us for you know where are they best to go to get more advice you know, more information on you and keep up to date with what you guys are up to uh to keep up to date with what we're up to uh, we we update our social media regularly. So we're on Instagram. Um, we're on uh, Facebook. I think we're on Twitter as well. Um, and we've got a YouTube channel, which is, um, you know, it's got a mixture of things. It's got some of our fun fun dive videos, and it's also got some tuition stuff um, to give you a yeah. taste of what we do on our field course. What's the, what's the name of it on YouTube? I think it's just Cape Rad. Everything, all our social handles is at Cape Rad. Um, And then we've got our website, which is www.caperad.com. Yeah, so it's R-A-D-D, Research and Dive Development. It's two Ds, dot com. That's what I would add then, just that um, Cape Rad is is something for everyone in a way that if you don't dive, um, or even if you've not even snorkeled before or free dive, then you can join a citizen science day where we'll take you out. We stay very shallow and you still see lots and lots of life. Um, and you'll learn a little bit about the marine life and learn snorkel and learn how to behave out in the water to be able to observe better. And then our field course can be tailor-made for, like we say, it's mostly uh, undergrad or postgrad students studying some kind of biological science, but we can tailor-make it to any kind of, diver like a lot of dive professionals might want to join in and, and to get a flavor of the marine conservation side of things so they might not want to be a marine scientist but they might want something to talk about when they're given their courses and give a little bit more bit more depth mm. to their to their dive experience um, and they can come along and we'll just turn the science down and uh, push <laughs> the uh, exploratory diving and that challenging diving up so we, we really do like to tailor it to whoever we get we use usually get small groups so you know it's quite easy to do that question for you. Um, um so a question for you if i was a student and i'm like halfway through my uh, marine biology degree and i'm going to take a break for a little while and i want you know let's presume we're all back to normal and we can travel um and i look at your website and think yeah this would be really great i'd like to come and do this do you help them find places to stay and stuff? You know, if you're if you're totally no, you've never been out to uh, South Africa before. You don't, you know, you don't know the setup at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, do you help get people set up you know, where they're going to stay and whatever? So if they aren't coming to join our course, then we basically do the the full shebang. Uh, we'll pick them up from the airport. And we'll have accommodation waiting for them with a welcome pack, which will explain everything about the local area all the activities and restaurants bars cafes um, you know all the things they can do um, and then they'll have that scheduled course which is we usually run our course nine till four um, and then outside of that they can go and explore Cape Town they can go hike up the mountains go and check out the baboons go whale watching and uh, yeah they, they but we we make sure they're comfortable they have the um, accommodation all lined up for them drop them back off at the airport at the end of it um, yeah, so it's no, I just say I, I think that's really good that you do that because um, you know for a lot of people um, you know you want to be able to just pay your money, turn up with your passport, and then come and do the course and get involved and do all those things without that worry of you know when you don't know a country and you don't know that area, 
um you know it's hard to know you know is that a safe place to go is that all right yeah, you exactly know? so it's we get a lot of young students who have never traveled before you know 19 yes. 20 21 year olds so we we make sure it's quite structured and uh, they have everything lined up for themselves and we help them book activities if they need our help and things for their free time really as, a parent, as a parent and you think that your son yeah. or daughter is going to be going to uh you know another another country and you know um it's good to know that it's they're kind of looked after from the time they get off the plane to the time they get back on the plane and back to the uk or wherever they've come from so exactly yeah, I think, yeah. I think it's really good you do that and and a lot of people when you as this as soon as you mention south africa everyone goes oh no we're not going there you know everyone's going to get you know whatever but uh this area we're in based our headquarters in Sandstown, but it's a very safe area. Um, we do have Uber and things. It's not mud huts and cows running around the streets, as a lot of people in the UK think. Um, there's no lions, so you're not going to get eaten by a lion. <laughs> uh, a common question. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very nicely set up for, for tourism. And, um, you know, people come here and they just fall in love with the place and they just keep coming back year after year. Yeah, no, that's good. So, yeah, well, I'm sure there'll be people that have, obviously never heard of you that now will you know that will generate some interest yeah for the future yeah well that's thanks for having us it's been nice to yeah. chat yeah yeah no, um, thanks for coming on all right well thank you very much thanks yeah, it's been lovely thank to you guys thanks thank again good luck at the lockdown <laughs> yeah okay all right have a good rest of the day and uh, yeah keep stay in touch thank you very much yeah cheers same cheers, cheers. Bye. okay bye, bye. We are back. Well, that was good, don't you think, Jim? Yeah, they were entertaining and they're doing great stuff in Falls Bay for the Marine. Got an exciting place to be actually down there because, you know, they're getting all these different sort of uh, coastlines exciting. You've got the different water kind of swirling about down there. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly got a, marine, a diverse marine um, environment there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I hope you all enjoyed that. That was really good. Uh, so, thank you to the, them both for uh, coming on and telling us about what's going on down there. It'd be really good to catch up with them in sort of a few months' time, really. Yeah. Sort of see what's going on and how. I've got a feeling there's always going to be they're always going to be involved in stuff down there because of the environment down there. Mm, yeah, yeah. No, it's really interesting stuff. Also. Uh, another way you can support the show is becoming a big scuba dolphin. Yeah, just for two dollars. Yeah, and uh, you can help support the show, and uh, all helps. Yeah, so you just go to patreon.com forward slash the big scuba. Yeah, and you pay a little bit more, you can get involved in the show, you can ask guests questions, all those sort of things. So, and also uh, an appeal to any bands, any musicians. It's really good when we get bands and musicians, DJs, write and say, hey, can you use this music on your podcast? And we'll go, yes, we can. That'd be really great. So uh, if you're out there and you're listening and, uh, you know, you want us some, to use your music for something, you know, and we give you credits back, you know, so because, um, let's face it, I'm not, not a musician. I can't do it. Play your rulers, can't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same subject. Broke my ruler. Broke my ruler of Zoom. So there we go. Uh, so I think that's it. I think we've got everything covered. Who's coming up next? Up next. So episode 42 will be Ian Campbell from Project Aware. Yeah. And also up after that, we've got Manta Trust as well. So yeah. it should be a busy old week next week. Yes, so yeah, we've got lots more in the pipeline as well. All exciting stuff. We are booked up. Well, I'm going to go for a lay down in a dark room after that, and I'll see you on the next one. <laughs> yes, I shall see you on episode 42. Very <laughs> well. See you later, Jeff. See you, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.